Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. We've been talking on Sunday mornings about a series called Growing Up, talking about the importance of growing up spiritually and what God has for us. So uh, today's going to be a barn burner. Just to, just to let you know ahead of time. So I just be careful where your toes are at because they probably will get stepped on, mine included. But it's because I love you. So um, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Let's start here. This is Apostle Paul speaking. Notice what he says. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, it's the title of our series, Growing Up. I put away childish things. Notice this once again. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. So if you're taking notes, the title of my message is, I got multiple ones actually. So the first one is getting out of the kiddie table. If you don't like that one, the more fun one is kitty cup. Or King's Chalice, your choice. I still got a few creative titles left in me after all these years. So today we're going to be talking about getting out of the kiddie table. Now you guys remember that, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all those good things, when you used to be at the kids' table. The kids' table didn't have the good food either. <laughs> you, got like, you got like the Kraft mac and cheese. You didn't get like the real Thanksgiving mac and cheese. You got the leftovers. You didn't get the real food. But today we're going to be talking about growing up and putting away these childish things in our life today. So I had mentioned a few weeks ago in the past several weeks that I believe that God gave a word for this year for our church and for me about growing, growing 2022. And of course, I'm talking about our church family is going to be growing uh, in numbers. And I believe in healings and miracles. I believe in finances. I believe in influence and favor. I believe that means dad's ministry as well. But more than anything, when God spoke to me growing, that means he wants me to grow personally. And if he gave that word to me for all of us in here, that means you need to grow personally. But more specifically, he wants you to grow spiritually because the spirit is the real you. The part of you that's connected to God, the part of you that's the real you. You are a spirit you have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions, and you live in a body, but you are a spirit. And if your spirit grows, everything else in your life will grow. Everything else in your life will change. Everything else in your life will move forward if you are growing spiritually. So we're talking specifically about growing spiritually. It's God's will that we grow. Just like you are born physically, you're born a baby, and you got to grow up. But when you're born again, you're a spiritual baby, and you got to grow up. And there's stages in growth. You're a spiritual baby, then you're a spiritual adolescent, a teenager. Then, you know, you got to get through your spiritual awkward stage, <laughs> spiritual puberty. you got to get on the other side of that, get your spiritual braces off, clear up your acne, and get to the other side of it. Why aren't you laughing at me this morning? The teenager's going through it. It's not funny. It's not funny. We all had that stage. I don't show you those pictures. 
There's a reason for that. I don't play those CDs. There's recordings of me preaching when I was going through that. You've heard. There's a reason we don't let that out to the public. But then you got to go into spiritual young adulthood and you need to become a spiritual adult, which means to spiritually mature. Now, why does God want you to become a spiritual adult and mature? Well, there's many reasons, but think about this. God wants what's best for you. He wants to use you for his highest plan and highest purpose. And he can't do that when you're still a spiritual kid. He can't do that. He can use you a little bit, but he can't use you to where he wants to use you until you're a spiritual adult. You have to be fully grown for God to use you fully in your highest purpose and plan for your life. He can't do that if we're still spiritual kids. We got to grow up. You know, even that term, grow up. What, when we say grow up, it's a slang term we use. And what does it mean? You're acting like a child. You're acting immature right now. And so adults say it to each other when they're trying to get it. You need to grow up. Grow up, man. It means right then you're acting like a child or immature when you shouldn't be because you're actually an adult and you should be acting mature. And God wants the same thing for us because I think God in heaven is saying a lot of times to his family on the earth, y'all need to grow up. I love you so much, but you got to grow up. You should be a spiritual adult and mature right now, but you're still acting like a child and immature when I can't do what I want to do in your life until you grow up. It's so important. Just like if you had a child who was seven and you had a child that was 17, they should not act the same. Do you agree today? They shouldn't talk to you the same. They shouldn't have the same responsibilities. They shouldn't be getting upset about the same issues they got upset at seven. Now, they'll get upset about different stuff at 17, but not seven-year-old stuff. Like someone stole my toy. Now, they might be upset at 17 for getting grounded and not driving the car, but that's a different issue because they're in a different place in their life. But Jesus wants us to grow up as well. We have a lot of believers who have been in the house of God for a long time. They have been in the things of God for a long time, but are no more mature. That's not okay. You know, uh, in, in psychology, they call it Peter Pan syndrome. People don't want to grow up. That's a real thing. There's, there's a generation of it. It's my generation and the generation under me. Peter Pan syndrome. They don't want to get a real job. They don't want to wake up. They don't want to go to work. They want to play video games and stay in their parents' basement the rest of their life. How many know that's not healthy? They're like Peter Pan. They never want to grow up. That happens naturally, but that happens spiritually. <laughs> There's a lot of spiritual people that love Jesus, are going to heaven, but they don't ever want to grow up. They don't want to ever take accountability for their own life. They don't ever want to get a job in the house of God and actually serve because they got Peter Pan syndrome. They, they don't want to actually start giving to their church and being a part and, and stop being a mooch at their church family because they got Peter Pan syndrome. They don't want to grow up. And, and that's why a lot of times 
our church hasn't grown in the past to places it should be because we are a church that speaks pretty strongly about the word of growing up, and a lot of people don't like that. So if I spiritually have Peter Pan syndrome, I want to go to the bigger church down the street that's going to avoid the topics that would make me grow up. I'm not playing with you this morning. It's easier that way. And if you don't want to grow up, you don't want to be around other adults. <laughs> Come on now, somebody. Why? Because it's going to convict you. If you're around spiritual adults, even if they don't say anything, their life will convict you. And you naturally want to gravitate towards people that are just as immature and childlike spiritually as you are. That's not healthy. I would take it as this. If you are in that place, you should desire to be around older, more spiritual, mature people so they could bring you up. Not being okay with let's just keep hanging around the same people that are all spiritually immature and not going anywhere with their life. Maybe that's just me as a pastor, but that's what I want to be. I don't need to talk to people my same age. I don't need to talk to some of you guys in this church about certain things. You know who I need to talk to? Brother Les, Pastor Dennis, Dr. Jacobs, men like that. You know why? Because I'm trying to grow up and I need to go to somebody who's over me and been in the things of God longer than me. If it's true for me, it's true for you. I don't care if you're 80, you can find somebody who is spiritually further along than you and you need to still grow up. Now, now, why do I do that? I'm not doing that out of condemnation or shame or like God doesn't love me. I'm doing that because I want what's best for my life, which is God's best for my life. And I know if I don't step up and grow into that, I will never be in God's perfect will and plan for my life the way I should be. If it's true for me as a pastor, it's true for you this morning. But with Children, you know this, you can't give them the same responsibility as adults. I have a nine-year-old daughter named Natalie. One day, 50 years from now, I'll give Natalie a car. I'll give her a cell phone. I'm probably going to help her with her house in the future. I'm going to do all those things for her because I'm a good dad. But she's nine years old right now. I cannot give those things to Natalie right now because she's not grown up. She couldn't handle it right now because she's not grown up. It's not that I'm keeping those things from her. I'm saving those things for her till she's ready for them. It's the same for you spiritually. God has all these things for you, but you're still nine years old. And until you grow up into it, he's not going to give it to you because you're not responsible enough to handle his perfect will and plan for your life. He can't use you the way he wants to use you because you're not responsible enough to handle it. And if he gave it to you right now, it would hurt you and it would ruin it. That's why we got to grow up. 
So God has all these things for you, but he's not trying to hold them back from you because he doesn't like you or he's upset with you. He's just saying, as a good, wise father, I can't give this to you yet because you're not grown up yet spiritually to handle it. Are you following me today? So, Natalie will, 50 years from now, get those things. But she can't handle them right now. And a lot of times, we're not able to receive God's best in our life or for him to use us the way he wants to because we aren't responsible enough spiritually. We're not grown up. We can't handle it. I mean, no, we all think we can handle it. Just like your kids think they can handle it. Don't they all think, oh, yeah, I could get a cell phone. I could do that. Okay. 42-year-olds can't even do that. You definitely can't do that. Oh, yeah, I know how to drive. I've watched YouTube videos about it. I got it. No, you can't. But God is a good father, and he knows best, and he's saying, I love you, but you have to grow up for me to fully use you and for you to have my best in your life. I'm not saving it from you. I'm saving it for you. So let's read again in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. You still follow me today? Oh, we just get in the wood burning now. When I was a child... I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now, the rest of this message, now we're talking about putting away childish things, getting out of the kitty table. But there's this process that happens, and it's a biblical word, and we're going to talk about it the rest of this time. What does it mean to put away childish things in my life as a believer? What does it mean and why, and why do I need to do that or how do I do that? It's a biblical word called sanctification. Sanctification. And we're going to give you some definitions of sanctification. Sanctification is something that happens after you're saved. This is after you have been born again. You've received Jesus. You are made righteous. It's called sanctification. It's all over the New Testament. This is just one of many definitions I'm going to read of what sanctification is. Sanctification is the process after salvation by which God conforms us, changes us, grows us up as believers in our life, in our character, to live like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. I know that was a long definition, but let me tell you it again. This is what sanctification is. And really the simplest definition of sanctification is putting away childish things. It's the process after salvation by which God conforms us, changes us, grows us up as believers in our life and our character to live like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is what happens after you are saved. The Holy Spirit, who is God, is living on the inside of you. And though you are saved and you are connected to God and you're going to heaven, how many know after you get saved, a lot of times you don't act saved? A lot of times you don't 
think saved or talk saved or anything close to what the Bible says after you're saved, but you're still saved, right? And Jesus' ultimate goal is that we would look like him. So there's going to have to be a process that happens. And what happens is the Holy Spirit comes into our life and into our heart, and he starts changing us from the inside out. It's called sanctification. And the Holy Spirit starts giving us new desires, new dreams, new plans, new purposes. And also in that process, he starts conforming us and changing us and growing us into a person like Jesus. But there's something that happens. The Holy Spirit brings this thing called conviction. Conviction is not condemnation. Conviction is a good thing. The Holy Spirit's going to convict us about areas in our life that are childish. That are kiddie stuff. That we should be beyond by now. He brings up areas in our life, not just sin, but areas in our life that are hindering us. That are not God's best for us. And it's called conviction. And so sometimes we'll be saying something and we get convicted. That's the Holy Spirit trying to sanctify us into God's best for our life. And he says, you shouldn't say that. And so when you change the way you're talking, you're becoming more sanctified or set apart for God's purpose and use. Or, or maybe you looked at porn and then you get convicted. But you weren't convicted in the past about it, but you are convicted now. Why? Because the Holy Spirit loves you and he wants what's best for you. And he knows watching that will destroy you from the inside out. And I love it beyond this because sometimes we haven't taught it well enough. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, he gives you the power to change as well. See, this is why people struggle because they were like, I'm convicted, but I can't do anything about it. No, that's not true. I'm not saying your desires aren't real, that they aren't strong, that your flesh and your unrenewed mind is pulling you strong this way. But if the Holy Spirit convicts you of it, I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. If he convicts you of it, he will give you the power and desire to do his will. So if he brings it up, you have power to change. Because he's going to help you change. Now it might not happen tomorrow. It might not happen next week. It might not happen next month. You might fall off the wagon again. But if the Holy Spirit convicts you of it and you agree with him, he's going to give you the power to change. I know that for a fact. I've seen it in this church. People addicted to sex. People addicted to alcohol. People addicted to drugs. People addicted to everything you can imagine. People with an unrenewed mind. People with messed up relationships. Messed up money. Messed up body. And the Holy Spirit changed all those things. When they were convicted of it. And then they said, okay, Holy Spirit, help me change. And he gave them the power and desire to do God's will. It's called sanctification. It's not a bad word. It's not an old-time holiness word. Pastor, we're beyond that in 2022. Don't talk about living right, purity, consecration, sanctification, holiness. We don't talk about that stuff anymore. God does. You're struggling because you don't talk about that stuff anymore. We have powerless churches all over this world because no one talks about stuff like this anymore. 
That's why people can walk in and out of church and not feel one bit of conviction about their pornography. They don't feel one bit of conviction about what they were doing last night. They don't feel one conviction about their friends they're hanging about. They don't feel one conviction about the way they're talking. Why? Because there's no power in the church because there's no purity. There's no sanctification. There's no holiness. There's no consecration. A couple grunts in this Methodist church. I'd be wearing skirts and a bun before we're done with this. We'll go old time holiness if we need to. I'm Pentecostal, but not that Pentecostal. Joking, joking. Are you following what I'm saying today? And we got to move here. I love this story, though. Talking about sanctification. What is sanctification? Putting away childish things. This is not for your salvation. This is for service. You're not doing these things to get saved. You're already saved. It's so God can use you the way he wants to use you. And you have a part to play in how much he can use you. Well, if God wants it to happen, it will happen. Nope. No, no. Listen to this. Talking about sanctification. It's the Holy Spirit changing us. This is a story about Michelangelo. Now, you guys have seen the famous statue of David. Probably the one of the most famous statues in the world. That statue of David, it's in Florence, Italy. A lot of you have seen it. It's inappropriate, so I'm not putting it on the screen. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have said this from the front. Everybody's like, Google, don't do it. Don't do it right now. You have to get in the pornography line for after this. Don't do it. We've all seen it, though. There's one downtown Louisville in front of, what's that place? Proof. Proof on Main. A lot of ain't rightness going on on that street. <laughs> Happens to be right across from the Children's Museum. What are they thinking? Every parent that comes out of there is like, don't look, don't look. David, there's David's golden buns right in front of the <laughs> Children's Museum. Don't look, kids. The real one is in Florence, Italy. You guys saw it, didn't you? Flex on us, Lowry's. They've seen it in person. I saw it in a book. In Florence, Italy, there's a statue of David, the most famous statue in the world. It's 17 feet tall. Huge. But here's the story about it, and I love this because this is a good explanation of sanctification. Michelangelo, when asked about the sculpture of David, they gave Michelangelo a piece of 18 by 6 feet of marble stone. It's a big piece. 18 by 6. So they, they handed him this massive piece of marble stone. It took him two years to make and they said, well, how did you do this? Because if you look at any of those statues from that time period, the detail is amazing. And you think, this guy chiseled this out of 18 by 6 feet of marble stone to look like that. And we know if we did it, <laughs> it wouldn't look like that. It would just look like a bunch of 
rocks knocked off of a marble piece of stone. It would not look like David. It would not look like anything. But this is what Michelangelo said. How did you do it? He said, I had an image of David, and I chiseled away everything that wasn't him. That's sanctification. You allowing God to start chiseling all the parts of you that aren't the real you. That's sanctification. Because God knows the real you. He knows the healthy you. He knows the best you. And sanctification is allowing God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to start chiseling away your attitudes, your sexual habits, your drinking habits, your mouth, your friendships, things that are childish that you don't need anymore that are holding you back. And once the Holy Spirit gets done with you, you will be a masterpiece just like the statue of David is. But we have to choose to allow the Holy Spirit to do that to us. Notice he said again, I had an image of David and I just chiseled away everything that wasn't him. That's what sanctification is, allowing God to do that in your life. I don't know about you, but I believe God knows best for my life. And if he says it's not me, it's not me. I just can't stand so many people telling God and everybody else, no, this is me. If God says it's not you, it's not you. Well, this is my truth and my feelings. And if God says it's not you, it's not you, boo-boo. It's not. He knows the best version of you, the healthiest version of you, the real you. And if he's chiseling something, don't bring the marble back. Let it go. Let it work. Because he's trying to make you into the masterpiece he's called you to be. But that process is called sanctification. He's still here today. Are we getting ready for it now? Here's one of my favorite verses on what we're talking about today. Let's turn to 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2, verse 20. Notice what it says here. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Once again, this passage is not talking about for your salvation. He's talking about for your service. You couldn't save yourself. Jesus did that. But you choose how much God uses you after that. Because God's not going to use a vessel that's dishonorable. God's not going to use a vessel that's not holy, not sanctified, not cleansed. So Paul tells Timothy, you have to allow God to cleanse you, to sanctify you, to grow you up so you will be a vessel of honor that he could use. 
Now let's read in verse 20 again. 2 Timothy 2 and 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honor and some for dishonor. Let's stop right here. So we, we see in this passage, it could be taken two different ways. Now, in the time that Paul wrote this, they had fine china. They had fine dining, stuff like that. That, as you know, in all of our homes, there's things we use on Christmas and the holidays. And if you had the president coming over to your house, and then there's everyday stuff you eat with. Now, my family has eaten out for 20 years. That's our life. That's just the way we live. So because of that, at our house, what dad and I eat off of, a lot of times are paper plates and paper bowls. Why? Either you guys are sad for us or you're disappointed in the way your pastor and doctor lives. Don't judge us. We don't eat at home that often, so we don't need it. The only reason we need those paper plates is to heat up our microwave to-go food. So why you got to get dishes dirty when it's like that? Okay. Judgment in the house of God today. So, so dad and I, we eat off paper plates and paper bowls a lot of times because it's just easy that way. And the passage says here that in a house, there's vessels of honor and dishonor. There's vessels made of gold and silver, which that would be the fine china. Or in that day, of, of wood and clay. That would be the everyday type of stuff. But you get to choose what kind of vessel you are. As believers, we get to choose what kind of vessel we are. And the Bible says this all over the New Testament that we are vessels that God wants to fill. So we could either be paper plate Christians, which God can use us a little bit, but he can't use us to where he wants to use us. Or we can be fine china Christians. We can be the gold and silver Christians. And that's not God's choice. That's our choice. You follow me so far? So, so we get to choose what kind of vessel we are. We could be a common vessel or we could be a prized, honorable vessel. But beyond that, this language about vessels is referring back to the Old Testament. About the tabernacle and the temple, which was God's house in the Old Testament. And in the tabernacle and the temple, there was many utensils and vessels used for worship to God. And in the temple or the tabernacle, those vessels and utensils that were used were sanctified. We're going somewhere. And he says, just like those vessels in the Old Testament that were used in God's house to serve, you now, a part of God's church, are vessels. You need to be set apart and sanctified just like these natural vessels. You're a spiritual vessel that God wants to fill. So you need to be cleansed and sanctified and set apart to be used for God's glory and purpose. 
But there was a process that happened when you got sanctified. So when we're talking about these vessels, let's read this next verse. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Let's leave it right here. So he's, he's taking you back to a word picture or a word theme from the Old Testament in the tabernacle saying, just like you guys remember in the temple, there is these certain utensils and vessels that are made of gold and silver. You don't take those home and put them in your house to eat with them. They're only used in service to God and for his worship alone. But they're like that because of what they're made out of, but also because they've been cleansed and sanctified. So, so these vessels that were used in the, the temple or the tabernacle to worship, these utensils were cleansed ceremonially in a very specific way. You would clean them differently than you would your home vessels. The stuff you ate with every day at your house. It was different in the temple. They, they cleaned them in a different way, a more specific way, so that they would be completely pure when used for God's service and purpose. And that's why the scripture says that you get to choose what kind of vessel you're going to be. A vessel of honor or dishonor. A vessel of gold or silver or wood and clay. And you need to be cleansed. They knew exactly what that meant. Just like the utensils and vessels used in the temple were cleansed, cleaned off. We could say they put away childish things. There was no dirt on them anymore. They were used for God's service. Are you still here? I'm, I'm going somewhere with this today. And they were cleansed for his service. Now here's something you need to know about the temple vessels or utensils. And this will preach to Louisville and back. Those vessels and utensils didn't have to be perfect, but they had to be pure. And that's what God's asking for you. So be like, well, I can't be perfect, Pastor. Okay, no one can. That's why Jesus came. God's not looking for you to be perfect. You can't be. But he says, I can't use you until you're pure. And how do you get pure? You got to be cleansed. You got to be washed. You got to be changed. You got to be sanctified. You got to let God chisel away all that stuff that's not you. You got to let God wash away all those childish things in all of our lives that we should be beyond by now. And some of these things are not even sin. They're just childish and they're holding us back. They're unwise. They're unhealthy things. And God wants to use us, but he can't if we're going to hold on to the kitty cup. Can I take it a few steps deeper today? But then he says you got to be sanctified. Sanctified. Sanctified means the simplest definition of sanctified is set apart. Specifically set apart for a special purpose, wholly consecrated to the Lord. Sanctified 
means to be set apart for a special purpose, holy, consecrated for the Lord. That's a choice we make. So here's the other thing. Those utensils and vessels in the temple or the tabernacle, which were the house of God in the Old Testament. I mean, the house of God in the New Testament is the church, which we're a part of. We are the vessels. We don't got no candlestick and an altar at the front, and we're not sacrificing animals. We are the church. We are the house of God. We are the vessels now. So they had to do two things for those vessels to be used. They had to be cleansed, washed away, had to be pure, not perfect, had to be cleaned, and those childish things had to be gone, but they had to be sanctified or set apart for a special purpose in God's use only. Sanctified. All of us in here have to make that decision. That does not mean you can't do anything else but come to church. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying in your heart, you've already decided, God gets all of me. I'm set apart for his use and his use alone. And if anything comes between me and that, they're gone. It's out of my life. I'm getting rid of it. If it's holding me back, I'm gone. It's done. I'm going to separate from it. It means set apart for God's purpose, wholly consecrated to him. And don't let anything get between you and that. That's sanctified. Not because God is forcing me to do it. It's because I want to do it because I want God's best for my life. I want to do it because he's worthy of it. He's deserving of my everything. Not my job. Not my hobbies. Not my money. Not working extra overtime and missing church every week. God is worth everything to set myself apart from. Separate from. If necessary, to serve for his purpose and his purpose alone. That's for everyone in here, not just me. Stop thinking me. You're still thinking me, and it's not true. Yes, I have to do it, but we all are called to do this. What you do for God will look different than me, but it's not any less than what I'm doing. God still wants to cleanse you. He still wants to sanctify you and set you apart for a special purpose, wholly consecrated to him. When I talk like this, people get uncomfortable. But you realize living this life is where the fulfillment and joy and peace and everything you're missing right now is. And you're thinking more money's going to do it, more sex is going to do it, more video games are going to do it, more vacations are going to do it, more kids are going to do it. They're not. I told you I came to preach today. They are a supplement to your life. They are not the substance of your life. They will never fill that deep place in your heart that you can't fill with anything else. Why? Because it happens when you're cleansed. You're sanctified. You're set apart for God's use and God's use alone. Everyone of you need to make that decision. And everyone you're thinking about right now, send them this podcast because they need to make this decision. Set apart for a special purpose.
Not an ordinary purpose, not a common purpose, not just to do what everyone else is doing in life. No, my purpose is to do God's will in the earth. It's my greatest purpose. Is there other things you're going to do? Yeah. Did God give them as a blessing? Yes. But they're not him. It's a difference. i got to calm down or I won't have a voice left. I love you this morning. That's why I'm talking to you this way. I was reading this, and let me read this real quick. There's a quote from a pastor recently I saw. Because there was a pastor who said, uh, you know, the pastor was talking in church about different things. It was kind of convicting, like today. And I'm not done. I'm going to be more direct later. <laughs> um, people said, well, that's none of your business, Pastor. This is his response. It's great. He says, anything that hinders God's people is my business. And beyond that, I have been anointed by God to make it my business. So that's what I'm saying this today. You and my business, Pastor. Yes. Anything that hinders your life and I know about, I would not be a good pastor if I didn't talk about it from the front. There's a lot of pastors that aren't doing this because they feel like people will leave. The big givers will leave. People don't want to be convicted about this type of stuff, so I'm not going to say it. Guess what? Those pastors are wrong. They're wrong. I love you more than you can imagine. That's why I'm saying this. If it's hindering you or pulling you back or it's going to hurt you, why wouldn't I say something? Would you do that to your kids? You just let them run off the cliff? Oh, I'm not going to say anything. I might hurt their feelings. What would you do? You would yell. You would scream. You would grab them. You say, no, you're going off the cliff. You're going to be hurt. Sometimes the pastor has to do the same. Not out of fear, not out of judgment, but out of extreme love. To not let things hinder you anymore. All right. But we all get to choose what kind of vessel we are. Either we're fine china or me and dad Jay's throw away paper plates. We choose a vessel of honor or dishonor. But how do we become that fine china vessel of honor? We are cleansed, sanctified. Let's bring it up here again so we get it all. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, set apart, useful. Useful. What are we saying? So God can use you? Useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Let me read it from the message because it's way more blunt. In a well-furnished kitchen, there are not only crystal goblets and silver platters, but waste cans and compost buckets. Tell us how you feel, message. Some containers used to serve fine meals, other to take out the garbage. Notice what he says. Become the kind of container God can use to present any and every kind of gift to his guests for their blessing. So I have a few more things. You're saying, Pastor, get out of my business. Stop already. No. I got to say it. 
and we're still talking about putting away childish things and letting God sanctify us. Sanctify us. Set apart for God's use and purpose. So I'm going to share a few different areas that I feel like are a lot of areas that church people especially keep these childish things in their life and they're holding them back. But before we, (laughs) all right, (laughs) before we say that, I just want to deal with some wrong theology because there's so many people in 2022 screaming from the back row. We can do whatever we want. You know, we're free in Christ. We, we can hang out who we, who we want to hang out. We can think and we can do what we want. We can sleep around. We can do whatever because we're free in Christ. We're forgiven. True, you are free in Christ. True, you are forgiven. But you can still be childish and be doing things that hold you back in your life and are hurting your life. And God can't use you to the level he wants to use you. I got a good verse for you because the same people were saying that to Paul 2,000 years ago. You want to know the verse? This is what it says. This is maturity talk. 1 Corinthians 10, 23. You say I'm allowed to do anything. But notice what Paul says, but not everything's good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Let's leave this up here. Do you know what this question is that Paul was giving the Corinthians church? It was called a maturity question. This was putting away childish things question. Because that's how children talk. And that's how a lot of churches and Christians are talking these days. And it's not true. Yes, you're free in Christ. Yes, you're forgiven. But some things just aren't good for you. Some things are holding you back and you don't realize it. Some things aren't beneficial for your future and your call and your life. And when you're starting to think that way in terms of what's wise, what's healthy, what's a good example, what's helping me get closer to God, that means you're maturing. If you're still thinking about what can I get away with, you're a child. If you're still trying to go as close as you can to the sin line, you're a child. How many know children cross the line? Habitually. If you told a child, don't cross that line, it's dangerous over there, what's the kid doing? Half across the line, half not. But many believers do that all the time, and no one says it from the front They're living childish ways, doing things that will hurt their life. Like, it's not sin. No, but it's dumb. It's not sin. No, it's not, but it's unwise. It's not sin. No, but it's unhealthy. It's not sin. No, it's a childish. Grow up. I haven't even said a specific thing yet. Am I telling the truth or not today? Children cross the line. Adults, when they say it's dangerous, back away from the line because that's maturity. So next time you you see a believer say, I could do what I want. Okay, 1 Corinthians 10, 23. Yeah, you can, but is it good for you? 
Is it helping your relationship with God? Are you getting healthier from doing what you're doing? Is your relationships getting better? After you do it, are you more passionate about God or are you backslidden? Sin, still talking about sin in church, is a childish thing. Maturity talk is, I didn't want to get close to sin. I'm not going to just live in, in, in the sin area. I'm going to go beyond that. And I'm going to start making decisions based off, is this wise? Is this godly? Is this helping me? Is this good for me? That's spiritual maturity. That means you're becoming an adult. All right, I'll lay off a second. Are you guys receiving what I'm saying? Now, everything I preach, I'm talking to myself first. Everything I preach and convict you about is things that God convicts me about. The whole point of this series was telling you guys that God told me to grow up spiritually. But we all need to grow up spiritually. Okay. You guys are so nervous. I got the foot on the gas right now, and I'm just waiting. Is anyone getting any help today, for real? Just be honest with me. I love you guys. That's the way I'm talking like this today. Trust me, I know this. I, I've been in church my whole life, and I've heard every excuse under the sun. And I'm like, yeah, it's not sin, but it's dumb. It's unhealthy. It's hurting you. God can't use you the way he wants to because you just won't give it up. Childish. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I acted like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. All of us in here need to consider those words this morning. With, if I want to grow up spiritually, I have to put away childish things. Be cleansed, be sanctified, be set apart for God's use. And that's not a burden. It's not a bummer. It's not like, oh my gosh, I'm going to. No, you're not. <laughs> Whatever you give up for God will be replaced a hundredfold over. It will. Anything that God says to separate from or get out of your life or, or you're bigger than this or this is childish. Trust me. A few years later after you made that decision, you won't miss it at all. You'll think, how dumb was I? How unwise was I? How unhealthy was I to be living now in God's perfect will for my life? So here's some childish areas that uh, people, especially church people, I see it hindering them. Friendships. This is one of my favorite subjects. Friendships. There's people in all of our lives that it's time to give them the boot. Love them from a distance. You know, if I had a dollar for anybody who told me, well, we've known each other a long time. You've known the devil a long time, too. I mean, what's your point? Well, we grew up together and come on now, somebody. I know when I talk about this in the Midwest, it's sensitive. 
Because you have a lot of ain't right thinking in the Midwest about this stuff. Loyalty, man. Loyalty, man. We've got to stick together. We went to the same high school together. We're blood, man. <laughs> I love you this morning, but I got to say this. You got to put away some childish things. Now, if those people in that category are godly, and you get around them, and I'm not I'm saying if they went to a different church or they're involved somewhere else, and they were godly, and they were building you up, and, and you were more on fire for God after you got done hanging out with them, you don't got to separate from them. But that's usually not the case. A lot of us in here hold on to old relationships and old friendships, especially in the church world, and make excuses. And people use, oh, that's not walking in love, Pastor. Hey, read the Gospels. Jesus separated from a lot of people that were holding him back. He did. If that friendship is not helping you become a more healthier you, you need to put away childish things. If that relationship is not making you a better follower of Jesus, you need to put away that relationship. If, if you get around that person when you hang out and you feel more spiritually dull when you're done, it's time to put away childish things. If you get around that person and you start gossiping like you used to in high school, you need to put away childish things. If you start cracking the same locker room jokes you used to pull when you're in high school and now you're 42 with the wife and the kids, put away childish things. First of all, the joke's not funny anyways, and I know comedy. Thank you very much. Locker room jokes are not funny. Takes no effort to make a joke like that. Real comedians know that. Thank you very much. But if you're still going back, because some people do that, they'll turn into a different person. They get back with somebody from high school. What is that? That's a wrong spiritual connection, people. They get back with somebody they used to go to college with or they used to work with and they start bringing them back into unhealthy, unwise, ungodly lifestyles and ways of thinking. You got to put away childish things. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You know, uh, I've had a lot of friends in my life and a lot of people I used to know when I was younger aren't in my life anymore. And that's okay. Any person I separated from or they separated from me because I was wanting to do God's will, God brought me a hundred times better friends and relationships. That's so many people think, well, if I lose them, who am I going to hang out with? You might have to hang out with yourself for a little bit. That's maturity. But I know for a fact God will bring better people into your life, better relationships, godly relationships, godly, fervent, passionate people about the things of God. But you got to put away childish things first. <clears throat> are you letting me pass you this morning? Because what I'm saying are things that are hindering you. That's why I'm saying them. And I love you. I'll take a few more steps because we need to close this today. Amzie doesn't want me to stop, right? Okay. You've been waiting for that. He gave me the notes for this message, by the way. It's like, I don't have the bravery to say it. Go ahead and just say it, Pastor, because I fully agree with what you're saying. 
Here's some childish things that people uh, do, especially in the church world. Childish mindsets, ways of thinking. Now, once again, when I'm talking about putting away childish things, I'm not just talking about sin. If we're still talking about sin, we're still talking about kids stuff. I'm talking about beyond that. When you're growing up spiritually, you're making choices like what is wise, what's healthy, what's good for me. Is this helping my relationships? Is this helping my finances? Is this helping my call on my life? Way far away from sin. But if it's hindering that, I'm going to put it away. Put away childish things. Mindsets. A lot of people in the church world, even though they hear the word, they still think immature spiritually. Because they haven't renewed their mind. Could have been like what Brother Les was saying earlier today. They could be in church but still think immature spiritually about money. Or about their body. Or about their call. Or about just even things that the world would say is right. They don't even know what's right and wrong because they don't know the word. Childish mindsets. We have to put away childish things. Now, here's one that toes are going to get slammed. <laughs> but I love you. Unhealthy habits. These are childish things that are holding many of you back. Many people. Not just in this church, but in a lot of churches and Christians. Uh, one, and I mentioned earlier, is porn. Um, you know, there's even Christians today that don't think porn's wrong. Like, they think, like, sleeping with somebody's wrong, but me looking at porn in the privacy of my own house, on my own smartphone, is okay. First of all, no, it's not. It's sin. It's hurting you. But beyond that, it's childish. And when you become a man, you got to put away childish things. And when I say man, I'm not just talking about men. I'm talking about the race of man, men and women. Because I know today in this culture, and it's proven, Women look at porn just as much as men do. And it's more easily accessible. Put away childish things. Now, once again, I understand addiction. I understand what happens in your brain, in your body. You have to let the Holy Spirit help you do that because you're not going to be able to do it yourself. But what does the Holy Spirit do? He's going to convict you when you do that next time. And you got to respond to him and say, yeah, you're right. I'm going to change. I'm going to grow. Give me new desires and give me the power and desire to do your will. And if you need to talk to somebody else and get accountability, do it. But what is he trying to do? He's trying to sanctify you. Cleanse you. And it's not because God's against sex. He's for sex. Just in the right way. And doing that whether you're a man or a woman, literally is destroying your brain. It is. There's a hundred articles about this type of stuff nowadays. What it's doing to your brain and your brain chemistry. It's messing it up. 
Then when you get older, you can never have a healthy relationship with a man or a woman because you've been looking at porn your whole life. All right. Everybody like, isn't it lunchtime, Pastor? Not yet. I love you today, but I'm going to say it from the front because it's my business to tell you anything that's hindering your life. And, and most of us in here, especially men, have seen porn. I've seen porn. Angie's seen porn. Let's just start We're raising our hands in here. Not proud of that, but most people have. Especially nowadays with children and smartphones and, and tablets and everything else. I'm telling you, parents, you got to be careful of this. Please listen to me today. But if you're an adult in here, which you are if you're in this room to some level or getting close to being one, like Paul said, when you become a man, you got to put away some childish things. You're beyond this in life. You're bigger than this in life. God has so much more for you to be looking at a phone, ruining your life for what? For a temporary pleasure that you're going to feel like the scum of the earth after you're done watching that. There's people that don't even know God that feel bad after they watch it because they have some level of conviction. Okay. I'm going to keep walking here. We need to make this message go viral on the internet. Can we do that? Because I think every believer needs to hear what I'm saying today. Here's another one for Christians. Now, this isn't sin, but it's childish. Too much social media. Too much social media. Once again, with social media, the number of articles about this is crazy on what it's doing to our brains. It's unhealthy for kids and adults. It's rewiring our brain and messing it up. And they have tied the connection between social media use and anxiety and depression skyrockets the more you're scrolling. And a lot of us do that all day long. We're like, man, God, I'm so depressed and anxious. You're, you're doing unhealthy, childish things. I love you, but you are. It's not wrong to have social media, but I'm saying most people can't handle it and do it right. It takes over their life. I know I sound like an old pastor right now, but I sound like a right pastor right now. I have Instagram. I don't have Facebook because I don't want to see all the nonsense on Facebook because that's where the real nonsense is. But you know what? I had a lock put on my phone where I'm only allowed an Instagram like 20 minutes a day. You know why I put that lock on my phone? Because I don't trust myself to not just grab my phone and scroll for hours and hours and waste my time. Now, what is that? Is that sin? No, it's childish. Not only are you hurting yourself scrolling all day long, but you're wasting your time when you could be doing something more productive with your life. And you never feel better after you're done watching it. You feel worse because you saw everybody argue with each other about politics. And you got more depressed at your, about your life because you saw, you know, Nick and Brittany McCain post another family picture. 
Now, you know what I'm saying when I say that, because I've called them out before. I'm saying that because they're so stinking beautiful, and then you look at your own life and say, why, God? Why did you do this to me? Like, they got the picture-perfect family. Everything is beautiful in that family. They're just wonderful. And then, you know, Brooke's trying to find one good picture of me out of hundreds, and it's hard to find. You know, I finally had to tell dad, I'm like, if Brooke can't take a good picture of me and you, it's not the photographer. <laughs> she's a professional. She's the best. If she can't make us look good, we're not looking good. <laughs> That's a real conversation I've had with dad. Back when mom was alive, she'd be looking through all those pictures. No, Michael, this won't work. This won't work. This won't work. I'm like, there's no pictures left. We are who we are. We got to be accepted as that. I'm enough. I celebrate myself. Anyways. <coughs> Social media. Because then you get, end up comparing yourself to everybody else. Because you see their highlight reel and you're behind the scenes. What about binge watching shows on Netflix or Disney Plus? Or... Now, these are the acceptable sins that Christians do. It's childish. Now, I watch Netflix. I watch Disney Plus. Shout out Book of uh, uh, Boba Fett. I'm on Team Star Wars all the way long, all the day long. But people don't watch Netflix and Disney and all these other devices to watch one thing. They're watching seasons of stuff in a night. That's unhealthy. It is. And it's hurting your life. It's childish. Anything like that we do in excess is unhealthy for us. The thing with modern day and modern people is... Um, all of that's been given to us, but now they're finding all the research. It's like, oh, they shouldn't have gave it to us because we couldn't handle it. Like they gave us social media and we couldn't handle it. Now it's destroying us. They gave us all these devices with Netflix and Disney and we couldn't handle it. They gave us Apple Music and unlimited music, but we couldn't handle it because we don't know moderation. We're entertaining ourselves to death spiritually, soulishly, and physically. None of those things are necessarily wrong. I watch TV probably too much at times. I have social media. But there's a line that's crossed in all of us that the Holy Spirit's like, you've watched six episodes that are hour long. It's time to turn it off. <laughs> we all know when that, there's that time in the night that the Holy Spirit's like, you don't need another one. You've eaten enough junk food for the day. It's time to call it. <laughs> now, once again, spiritually mature people say, don't get offended by that. They go, okay, I know it's not sin, but maybe I am being a little childish right here. Maybe I am wasting my time. It's not being productive. I could use it to get in my Bible. What a novel thought. Listen to podcasts. I could use it to call and talk to an actual human being. Okay. I'm landing the plane soon. 
Isn't this good, though? Okay. Um, We're still talking about unhealthy habits. Getting out of the kiddie table. Giving up the kids' cup for the adult cup, the fine china. Sanctifying ourselves. Putting away childish things. Now, here's another one, and this is sticky in the church world as well right now. And I'm going to say it in the most loving way I can. Alcohol. Now, I love you today. And if you drink, you're welcome here. I love you 100%. But I've never seen anyone's life blessed by alcohol. And the people that try to argue to be able to drink as Christians... There's such a very fine line you got to toe. That goes back to what I was saying. If you're standing as close as you can to the line, that's childish stuff, man. Come on now. Let's grow up. Can I drink it? Are all things permissible? Yeah, but are all things good for me? No. The Bible very clearly says that being drunk is a sin. But it doesn't necessarily drinking a sip of something is a sin. That's their argument. That's a tiny, tiny argument. Because how many sips does it take (laughs) for you to get drunk? You wouldn't know how many sips it took until you got drunk. And you don't drink for the taste. You drink for the feeling it gives you. Come on now, somebody. I love you this morning. Hear my heart here. Where's the line? It's a childish conversation. It's not helping your life. And I know there's, there's a lot of Christians, even well-known Christians, that like drink every once in a while, and you see them out, and it's, they, they're like, well, I don't get drunk, but I, it's childish, man. We got to grow up. Out of all the beverages on the planet you can drink, you really need it that bad? Now, it goes for alcohol, but it goes for a lot of things. There's a lot of substances that people take, and it's not always sin, but it's childish. Like, why do you need to smoke weed? Why do you need the cigarette? Why do you need the medication? Even though it's prescription, you're addicted to it. As belie- I'm saying as believers... If you're new here, I love you. I'm not even talking to you. But if you are a believer, why do you need it? Can I throw another thought out to you? And I'm really going to wrap this up, but I got to say it from the front. The Bible says in Ephesians, it says, don't be drunk with wine, which is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. My heart this morning is saying this. If you feel the need to get another substance, whether that's alcohol or weed or pain medication or you name it, to make you feel something, some sort of joy, some sort of peace, something to make you forget your troubles. I'm saying you're going to a false substitute for the real thing that should be filling you. I'm not judging you today. I love you. You're 100% welcome here. I'm just saying, think about what I'm saying. If you are filled with the right stuff, 
now. If you were really filled with the right stuff ongoingly, if you were full of the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need anything else. You wouldn't. Now, I'm not judging you once again, but I'm saying most people do that when they're spiritually low. They're spiritually depleted. You know that to be true too. You're not tempted in these areas when you're spiritually full. But you're going to a substitute for the real thing. God doesn't mind you being high. He doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't think it's wrong to feel extreme joy and peace and, and for you to just feel like out of your mind but in a good way. But on the right stuff, which is his presence, which is the spirit of God. Are you hearing my heart today? Once again, all these things, I'm, I'm not saying you, you're not welcome at church. I'm not saying I don't love you. I'm saying just consider what I'm saying today. Some of these things are childish. Some of them are blatant sin, but some of them are just childish. And they're beyond us. We need to let God sanctify us and cleanse us. And like the series, grow up for God's purpose and plan. So if we're not full of him, we're going to fill ourselves with something. There's a void in all of us that needs to be filled. Just consider what I'm saying today. I love you today. Now, many churches would not talk about a lot of things I said today because they think they would offend too many people. I love you. That's why I'm talking this way today. I don't want anything to hinder your life, your future, your marriage, your children, God's plan, your health, or anything else. That's why I'm talking this way today. Somebody's saying, well, I can't give it up. Yeah, you can. Trust me, when you do, you'll be glad you did because of what God gives you in return. Lastly, we can be childish in our words. Even in a church like this that preaches on faith and confession, we can be childish in our words. And I know I went a long time today, and I appreciate you listening. Did anybody get anything? A few things. 10% of the message was good. 50, 75, 100%. Okay. In our words, a lot of times believers are still childish in their words. I can be. You know, my ability to talk is a blessing and a curse. <laughs> I get that from my mom. My mom would always say, Jordan, you come from a long line of smart alecks. This goes way back in your lineage of people that can argue, people that can talk back, people that are quick-witted, people that will cut you with their words. It's a blessing and a curse. What makes me a good pastor can also, outside the pulpit, if I'm not careful, hurt other people. But it's childish when we do that. We got to admit that. All right. Just me. Just me. Just leave me out here hanging, guys. That could be childish in the way we argue with other people. 
That could be childish in the way we gossip. That could be childish in the way we talk about our politicians. That could be childish in us speaking negative things when we know better we should be speaking our faith, being a critical person, being a condemning person, not being faith-filled and gracious with our words. And some of those things aren't necessarily sin, but it's childish. Notice Paul said when... When I was a child, I thought like a child. I talked like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. We need to do that today. Put away childish things. Why? Because God wants the best for you. He wants you to get out of the kiddie table. Go to the big kids table. Take the kiddie cup away. Give you a king's chalice instead. And for you to be sanctified, cleansed, set apart for his purpose and for his use. Not for your salvation, but for your service. That God can use you to the way he wants to use you. I know some of these things might feel like, well, if I give something up in my life or if I let go, it'll be. No, it's not a sacrifice. It's not. Might be a little hard. But anything you give up for God will always come back to you a hundredfold. In relationships, in peace, in joy, financially, in every part of your life. I heard a preacher say this one time. If, if a call from an earthly king would be an honor, why would the call from a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? God has called everyone in here to do great things for him. Not just in church, but outside of church. But we have to be sanctified and set apart. Did you guys get something today? I went an hour and 18 minutes. And it's been the best hour and 18 minutes of your life. Come on now, somebody. I need somebody else other than Miss Marion to say something. Because I know she's with me. She's be like, Pastor, you keep going to 6 o'clock tonight. I'll be with you. Come on, did you get something today? I love you today. That's why I'm challenging you. And just always remember, I'm talking to me first. There's some areas in this that God was like, yeah, that's you. You need to grow up. You're beyond that at, at this time in your life. And you know what I'm doing? I'm not getting offended by it. I'm saying, yeah, you're right. I'm going to grow. I'm going to put away childish things. Let's stand up. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.